0: All right, turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, and as you're going there, uh, please slip up your hand if you don't have a Bible. We ne- listen, don't feel weird about this. We pass out Bibles every week. We'd love for you to flip through and follow with us, so just slip your hand up if you don't have a Bible, and then you can grab one. If you don't own a Bible, you do now. It's a free gift to you. Please enjoy that. If you haven't been with us over the last couple of weeks, we started the book of Exodus uh, two weeks ago. And so um, how many people, just by a show of hands, have seen The Prince of Egypt? Okay, right, A am going to mad people. That's the story of Exodus, albeit not all that biblically accurate, but, but you get the idea, right? Like God coming in, let my people go, that is the story of Exodus, mixed in with a whole lot of other stuff that we're going to spend the entire semester kind of working through. This whole idea, what we believe is, and what we talked about over the last couple weeks, is I think God will so look to use the book of Exodus to shape and to form us as a church community that we would too live faithfully to the calling God has given the church, okay? God was delivering Israel from Egypt, not just because he wanted them to be happy, because he was fulfilling a promise to Israel, to Abraham, who had come before the story we're in now, to say, I am going to bless you, build a people that that people, the Israelites, would be a blessing to the world, Church, we now step into that, grafted into this story, grafted into the people of God, meaning now Redemption Church and all the other local churches here in our city, together we are to be united on this mission of God to preach good news to the world, okay? And so hopefully the book of Exodus helps shape us in that, that we would look more like the people of God we're supposed to be. Now, let me say this on the front end. Um. Five-year anniversary, which was uh, almost two years ago, we'll hit seven years in October of this church plant. Now, I guess we're an actual church, whatever that is. And so um, about a year five, though, Tyler Johnson, who's the lead pastor of all of Redemption Church, um, him and I were talking, and he was, he was sharing kind of this vision for redemption as a whole. And he, and, he, and he said this really beautiful and profound thing that stuck with me over the last couple of years, things I pray all the time. And it's, he says, man, I don't want to do this. And he's talking about this. He's talking about church. He's like, I don't want to do this if, I'm, if we're going to do it without God. Okay? Now, now, that sounds somewhat obvious, right? Like, you're like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, we're not going to, we're the church, we're Christians. We're, we're. But I think there's a reality where we functionally kind of can leave God on the sidelines. In our life, both individually and corporately, we, we kind of put on a decent show, we can, we can come here and we can just completely leave behind the presence, the power, and, and God himself and say like, you know what, we got this, we'll, we'll put on a good show, we'll do our things, the band will be dialed in, it'll be great. In your individual lives, in our individual lives, we can say, you know what, like I know God says these things about my finances, but uh, you know what, God, I, I'm going to take care of this, right? Like I understand security better than the one that created security. Okay, I understand, etc., etc. And so we can functionally say, or we can cognitively say, yeah, I don't want to do this life without God. But we need to be honest with how we functionally live our lives out. And is that all that true? What we get to see here is, it, well, last week we saw Moses' origin story. Again, Moses is this great hero from the Bible, the one that God will raise up to deliver his people from Egypt and captivity and slavery. We see him raised up last week and we see him called this week. God's gonna call him to this and it is a profound and crazy mission that God is going to call Moses to. And the only thing that will get him through, I'll give you the answer on the front end, the only thing that will get him through this is that God is with him, okay? And hear me, I think we've lost a bit of the beauty and the awe of God is with us. Now, now maybe, and that could just be me, right? But, But it seems like that line is just kind of cliche and trite. Well, God's with you. Okay. Like, just, just, can we, for a moment, right? Let, let's slow down and, and try and mentally check into the one who created you, the one who thought up laughter, the one who thought up thinking, right? The one who thought up love. The one who formed you together, like that God, the one who created and spoke the universe into existence, that God so desires to be with his people and is. And if that's true, then gosh, man, like all sorts of things in the Bible begin to make more sense. Like the calling of God that we would always love our enemy, that sounds crazy and impossible, but if God is with us, that's a change some things for us. Right? All, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, there's some confidence brewing. And lastly, this is, this is just something that I've been kind of ruminating on in my own personal life, and I'll invite you guys into that. First John four seventeen says this, by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in the world. I've just been really kind of honestly like thinking through, like, what's my life about when I get to the end and I stand before the Lord? Like what, what will he ask of, like, what will he ask and what will my response be? And will I be able to stand there as, as confident in Jesus as possible? Just be like, look, I tried to live like you. It, it didn't always go great. I failed a bunch of times. But the desire was always to live like your son, Jesus. Like, I, and, and so this confidence I so long for before the Lord on judgment day. And so here's the thing. Today should build in us confidence for that day and for today. Why? Because God is with us, right? That's the whole theme. That's where we're going. Let's open up. Let's start in Exodus chapter uh, 2, verse 23 through 25. The words will be on the screen. This is the backdrop for today's text. During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. So what we have in chapters 3 and 4, which we look at today, is God's answer to seeing the pain and suffering of his people. This is God's response to, I hear you, let me come and do something. Okay, so Exodus chapter 3, here we go. Now... Moses was keeping, and hear me, there's going to be a lot of scripture today, uh, so I'm going to try and read it as dramatically and like full David Attenborough as possible. Okay, so here we go. So Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning and it was not consumed. And Moses said, I'll turn aside to see this great sight why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place in which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because they're taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them at the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up Out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So here's the initial... Kind of calling moment of Moses, this hero, this response to, my people are in pain, how am I gonna fix this? I'm gonna raise up this hero, okay? I'm gonna raise up this guy, Moses, who I'm gonna be with, and I'm gonna send him, and Moses, what are you gonna do? You're gonna go back to Egypt and you're gonna deliver them, okay? You're gonna deliver the people of Israel. Now, here's kind of a neat little Jewish tradition that many of us might not know. But the Jewish tradition holds that. Uh, Moses, when he goes to Midian, which we learned last chapter, he fled Egypt where he was born, goes to Midian that he took this job of shepherd, which was a very undesirable position, right? He has literally gone from one of the most prestigious spots in all of Egypt to now serving in one of those lowly professions, okay? And, and again, we know if you've been around, right, that all of the Bible points us to Who? Jesus, right? So all of the Bible. So what's this? From the highest of the highest courts into the lowest profession, okay? We're seeing this. This all points to Jesus. And so we see Moses move in this profession. And here's Jewish tradition, which is pretty fascinating, right? Jewish tradition says that when Moses is going about, when we see him keeping the flock, right? And he went to the wilderness and he came to Horeb, that what he was doing, Jewish tradition says is he was seeking out a lost sheep, okay? That a lamb had escaped, and so he went to find the lamb. He left his flock, excuse me, to go find the lamb. Now this sounds somewhat familiar. Matthew 18, 12, right? That Jesus would leave the 99 and go after the one. If you don't know the Bible verse, Corey Asbury has a song, right? Oh, the, I'm not going right, you get what I'm saying? So um, leave the 99 to go after the one. And so again, Jesus, 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 Jesus. This is it, right? So Moses has this beautiful foreshadow. So he sees this bush on fire, which that's not all that weird, right? We live in Flagstaff, there's fires here. We had one pretty recently. We're like, oh yeah, a fire, that makes sense. Now imagine a fire in the same spot that never stops, okay? Like if you've been to a bonfire, like I see some students here, maybe you got the Ivy uh, bonfire, which was a couple weeks ago. Okay, yeah, wow, well, all right, don't, don't get too proud. Okay, so it's just a fire. No, it's kidding, so if you're at the bonfire, right, like, that thing eventually stops, right? Or Micah, you had to add some logs, right, to keep that thing going. If you walked away from that thing without tending to it, it goes out. This is all obvious. You get it, science. your students. You get it. Um, for you adults, you guys, you learned this years ago. All of a sudden, he's walking along. He's chasing after the lamb he lost, and there's this bush that will not extinguish. This is weird. To make things even crazier, then a voice comes out of the bush. Moses, Moses. Moses. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they begin to have this dialogue. Hey, I'm God. Here's what I want you to do go and deliver my people. Now, now, just, okay, what are you thinking in this moment? And I don't mean you right now. If you're Moses, right? Like, what is going on in your brain? Like, this kind of this, this is crazy. I'm talking to a bush, but I, I think it's God, and He wants me to go back to the place that I just got in a massive fight with 40 years ago? Like I'm still wanted for murder potentially? And so what will Moses' response be? But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. you have, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So, so Moses, listen, he, he responds very much like I think how I'd respond of, That's crazy. Do you know who I am? Do you think I'm equipped for this? Do you know what it was like 40 years ago when I left? Like, they wanted me dead. Do you want me to go back to those people? God bless you. It it makes no sense, God. Do, Do you have the right person for this? I'm not the right person. I am not... Gifted enough, equipped enough, I'm not in the right context, I'm not in the right situation. But God, right? One of the, two of the most beautiful words in all of the scriptures, you get, but God. But God said this. So, in the midst of my fear, in the midst of my, I'm not going to be able to do this God says, No, no, no I'm going to do it. I'm going to be with you. Notice in the, in the passage right before, he says, I've heard their affliction, I've or seen their affliction, I've heard their cries, So, he says, I will come down to them. I, I, I will come down and be with them. And here's what's amazing to me. Ready? God, you think God who spoke the world into existence couldn't have just stayed up wherever he was and just handled things from a distance? Of course he could. But no, no, no. Our God moves into the brokenness. He, he moves into the pain and he moves into the people that he might then heal from within, that he might restore from within. And, and this, hear me, I'm already, this is gonna be a calling for us too as Christians, that we move into the hurting, we move into the pain, move into the brokenness, that we might heal and restore from within as the light and salt of Christ in the world. Beautiful. I'm, but I'm with you, Moses. You can do this, you know why? Because I'm with you. That's, that's why this is possible. Is there anything you guys have ever done? And I'm not gonna have you answer, but just think: like, is there anything you've done where, like, man, I said no at first, but then my friend, you know, you guys locked arms and you like went and did it, you know, or your dad grabbed your hand, or or something like that, right? We're like, I'm really hesitant, but then something pushed me over the edge, and it was generally having a person that was there that said, "No, I'll go with you," like I'll be with you in that real early days when we started this church. Uh, There was a quick, real brief situation I'll tell you about. There was a guy, he had some mental illness and stuff, and he invited me to come over. It was like midnight, he had been drinking a lot, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go and care and minister, and pray for this guy. And I walk, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm feeling a little hesitant. So I, I, I invited my buddy, Zach, who was part of our staff early on, to come with me. And I said, all right, Zach, let's, let's go, and, and let's, let's go love this guy and be present with this guy. And so I, I walk in, and there's, there's some nerves, but Zach's with me, so it feels a little bit better. We start talking. He's just talking erratic. He invites us into the house, of which we should have said no, but we said yes, because we're new church planners. We're like, we got to love everybody. And so we walk into the home. And we go into his bedroom, and there, kid you not, is like a larger knife than Crocodile Dundee. Most of you don't know who he is. So um, it's a big knife, right? Like, picture a big, big knife. And it's just laying on the end table, and he goes and sits right by it, okay? And so all of a sudden, all the stuff, there's some emotion going on, right? I'm thinking about my wife, okay? I'm thinking about, like, okay, if if this guy goes for it, what are we going to do, Okay? And I'm thinking, all right, if he goes for the knife, I'm gonna jump on him, Zach will grab the knife, and then we'll wrestle him down, we'll call the cops, it'll be great, okay, this is what we'll do. Eventually we leave, okay? And we walk out, and I say to Zach, I said, dude, did you see that knife? He said, yeah, I saw the knife. I said, well, hey man, like, if he went for it, were were we on the same page? And he goes, were you thinking about running? Because I was gonna run, (laughs) (laughs) right? And I said, no, Like, you were going to leave me there to die, okay? So, so here, here's why I go all the way through that story. There is a reality of having the presence of someone with you that brings some emotional stability. You're like, okay, someone's there, I can feel a bit better. But at a certain level, if they're not powerful, it doesn't matter, Right? Like, if Zach's just going to run the other direction while I'm slain, okay, then he, yes, thanks for the emotional stability, bro, but now I'm dead. So here's what I'm saying. God, hear me. It's not just this, hey, I'll be with you because I want to I wanna be there for just because, hey, yes, you can do this, rah, rah, I'm with you. It's, I am the powerful God of the world, and I will be with you in your mission. You notice the difference, and I think we treat him like, ah, he's with us, yay. And hear me, there, there is some of that. There's the reality of man, we have the presence of God. Like that should cause this joy, it should cause this, this confidence, this peace, all that stuff's true. But at the end of the day, you know why this whole story works out? It's not because Moses felt better, it's because God is powerful. And so when we say church. God is with us. When I say to you Christians, God is with you, it's not just this, it's the God of the universe who longs for more than you long for, who wants redemption more than you want redemption, that wants justice more than you want justice, that wants, you get it, he's with you. And he's powerful. Okay, so let's keep going. Verse 13. Mm-mm. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, <clears throat> say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, of your God, the, Lord the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise I will bring you out of Egypt, the affliction of all those people to the land of milk and honey." And they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say, the Lord, the God of Hebrews, has met with us. Now please let us go three days' journey in the wilderness that we may sacrifice the Lord our God. Here we go. But I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he will let you go. And will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor, and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, you shall put them on your sons and daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Okay, so, so now this calling is getting more defined. Okay? So it's not, it's not just go back, but then here's the way this is all going to kind of shake out. Okay. I want you to go back. And, and again, Moses responding with, yeah, but, but are you sure? Because these people don't really like me. How's, how's this all going to work out if I go... Who, who do I say told me to do this? Like, by what authority do I get to go? And God responds, "We'll tell him that I am sent you." Again, let's just, let's just foreshadow to the future here, Jesus standing before the Sanhedrin, before Herod, before his crucifixion, when Herod asks Jesus, are, "Are you the king of the Jews?" And his only response is, "What? I am." Okay, no, no, hearkening back. He's owning this moment. And says, you know, when I introduce myself to Moses, I'm introducing myself to the world. Because you know how he raised up Moses to deliver a people that would be a blessing to the world? Jesus raised up to deliver a people from the world. For the world. Sorry. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's dripping through the pages. This is why, this is why listen, if you don't read much of the Old Testament. Yeah, You need to, like open up your Bibles, read this stuff, it will encourage your love for Christ. And in our love for Christ, we said this last week, the more you love Jesus, beware because you're going to start to want to do Jesus stuff. Like you don't want to start to love your enemies, you don't want to start treating your roommates better, you are going to start doing the dishes right away instead of letting them soak, right? Some of you guys are like, that's too real, like you just, it's too real right there, you really hit the nail on the head. Okay, Um, I am is sending you. Okay, so Moses, why can you walk back into the courts of Pharaoh, your former people you lived with, and be confident enough to ask him to do this? Because I'll be with you and hear me. It's again, it's because I'm powerful and I by a mighty hand will cause the deliverance of my people. Again, let's let's just keep looking to Jesus. Because it was a different type of powerful, mighty hand, right, that saved us. That instead of pushing out and causing a mighty work to happen upon a land, instead the mighty work happened upon him. So he was pierced through. He was broken. His blood was shed. He was crushed and his hands were pierced. It was a mighty hand that was extended again that would deliver a people, you see, this, God, again, God, God, God is always in his story. And so, certainly, he's in yours right now. And he's in the church's story. And he's saying, All right, I'm with us. Let's do this. I'm powerful. I will deliver my people. Now, notice multiple times, he says this five times throughout this, uh, these two chapters that he is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Twice, though, he includes, I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he's calling to Moses, and here's what he's doing here. He's saying, not just this God that you kind of know about, but I'm your dad's God. Like, you're one of mine. He he, he instills confidence. He instills this belief, this faith, this, yeah, I I can do what God's called me to do. Why? Because he's saying, you're mine. He appeals to his identity. You know, the, the God of your, of your dad, right? Like, that's me. Like, you're, you're, you're in my lineage. You're my people. And we've been hammering this drum for weeks now. If you're here and you love Jesus, your primary identity, citizenship, is as Christian. It's who you are now. You've been brought in. And because that's true, now, identity moves us. When we know who we are, we're like, yes, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm in. Because if I have my identity intact, this is who I am. We know who God is. This is who he is. And he's powerful and strong. We have a clear idea of what the mission is. Let's go. Right? And hear me, the mission is clear, church. We, we know what we've been called to do. It's littered throughout Scripture that the church is to be the light of the world. That we are to preserve and proclaim and preach the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is the answer for the brokenness in this world. And we possess that story, so we must preach that story. move on. Okay, Exodus chapter 4, this one will go a little bit faster, okay? Again, we're doing these together. I know it's a big chunk, uh, but to see the calling shaped together, yeah? So Exodus 4 verse 1, then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said, which that's just smart, right? But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Nope. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord and the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob has appeared to you. And again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. Which, okay, if he just had me grab a snake, I'm not going in the cloak right now, right? Right? Like a scorpion will jump out. It's just terrifying. And he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, may they believe the latter sign. If they'll not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water you shall take from the nile will become blood on the dry ground. So, God, now, fulfilling this call, or rounding out this calling a little bit in chapter 4 by saying, like, now, if you doubt my power, let me show you some things, right? Because, you know, it's always like, Moses, ah, but what if they don't believe me? It's like, dude, you don't even believe me yet. Like, like, hear me, church, like, we need to buy into this is the all-powerful God of the universe. Otherwise, this stuff doesn't even make sense. Who cares? Why go? if he's not that. And so God, doing this great thing by pressing in towards Moses, loving Moses, by saying, look, let let me show you the power that I have. Okay, staff into a snake, hand to leprosy and back, right? And then blood from water. so, So just these three little moments to encourage and say, okay, God, okay, maybe you are just who you say you are. Like maybe this isn't just kind of stuff I learned In Sunday school. Like, maybe you are that powerful. Maybe you are that big. And maybe I can't actually live this way. So let's keep going. Verse 10, "'But Moses said to the Lord, "Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past, but since you have spoken to your servant, I'm slow of speech and of tongue.' The Lord said to him, "'Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak.'" As, a, as you shall be as God to him, and take your hand in this staff with which you shall do the signs. Again, Moses, and this, I would be right there. God, I don't know, I don't know. Please keep reaffirming this thing, okay? Which, let's be honest, this is what we need to do every morning when we open up our scriptures, right? Like we need to say, like the calling of the life of following Jesus, not easy. So why are we in the Bible? To say, oh yeah, this is who God is. Oh yeah, this is who I am. Oh yeah, this is what the Bible says is is about life and about what joy really leads me to. I need to be reminded over and over. This is really what Moses is doing. God, please just remind me of who I am. Remind me of what you're calling me to. Remind me of who you are. Because I am not capable without you. So God says, no, you know what? You're right, you're not. And that's absolutely okay, why? Because I'm gonna be with your mouth, right? Right? Like, God, I, I, I'm not, I can't speak well enough. I'll be with your mouth. Okay, so insert your thing, right? Well, I'm not smart enough. I'll be with your brain. Okay, I, I'm not, insert your thing. Now, hear me, this, do not apply this to like sports, right? God, I'm not tall enough to play in the NBA. Well, I'll, I'll be with your height. No, no. listen, if, if you are 5'5 and you're 25 years old, the nba is not happening okay he he will not grow you now could he yes will he So, so don't, because we can do this, we can say, well, well, God is with me, and so he's always for all of my dreams and visions, and, if, and you know, the, the great line of, like, the, you know, we try and, and encourage our kids with is, is, like, you can do anything you want to do. You can be anything you want to be. That's just not true, okay? Now, now, I'm not trying to say don't encourage your kids, don't love your kids, don't shape your kids, but there's just realities of, like, that's not going to happen, Okay? What God is saying here is is very simple. In all the places you find yourself inadequate to fulfill the calling of God in your life, which is the calling of the church, the mission to love the world, God's going to be with those inadequacies. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. You don't know the pain that's in me. Why would God ever use something this broken? That is what God does. Like, it's not just like a thing he does. It's, that's what he does. Because hear me, friends, all of us are woefully inadequate in comparison to our God. And, and so those things that we would rise up and be like, I, I, God's like, no, I'm with that too, bro. I'm with that too, sis. Like, I'm with you in those things, not just internally, not just in the, I'm not just going to shape the environment around you. I'm not just going to shape your heart internally. I will literally be with the things you think you're not good at. Why? That I might receive glory and that my mission would be fulfilled. And hear me, in the fulfillment of his mission, believe me, that's where your mission is supposed to be as well. That's where our joy is truly found. Now, If we believe that, that's a whole other step of faith. Okay, let's keep going. Mm -mm. Verse 18, Moses went back to Jethro. Remember Jethro? That's his father-in-law back in Midian. So he goes out, he's searching for the one that that escaped, and he has this discussion with God. He gets the call. He goes back to his father-in-law. He said to him, please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they're still alive. Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons and had them ride on a donkey. And went back to the land of Egypt. Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power. But I'll harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. You shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord <clears throat> Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, it will kill your firstborn son. Listen, we're moving towards the plagues. We will talk more about plagues. We will talk more about the hardening of Pharaoh's heart in the next week or two. And so uh, for time's sake, we're not going to delve deep into it now, okay? Um, but this is part of the interaction of God in his deliverance is to work. God didn't stop being sovereign author of the universe right now. He's still very much that we'll talk about in further weeks what that really means, okay? So, but here's where I want to zoom in on this little passage in the story. He goes back to his father-in-law and says, hey, I I want to go back and do this. Now, hear me. There is much to be lost for Jethro to let Moses go. Moses is a shepherd. He works well for the family. He's married to one of Jethro's daughters and he would be one that when Jethro dies would be responsible for caring for the rest of Jethro's family. So to now send Moses back into the pit, if you will, to be killed potentially, this is a bad idea. But notice what he says to him. He says, listen, all the people that wanted you dead before, they're gone anyway. Like, the warrant's gone, dude. Like, you'll be fine. And here's what I find very interesting about that. Is that, that's a good point, right? Like, hey, you know what? Like, yeah, I know it was scary back then, but guess what? Stuff's changed now. No one wants you dead anymore. That's a good thing. God never brings that up, okay? No, I'm taking some license here. It's not said in the text. It just is interesting to me. God never says something that's so obvious that would have been so the easiest thing to say to Moses. The easiest thing to say to me and my fear is, I can guarantee you, you won't die. Like I remember the first time I rode Batman the Roller Coaster at Six Flags Magic Mountain. I thought for sure death is on my doorstep. My, my dad, right? You're not gonna die. Eh, you're not gonna die. Not. And, and so I rode, I didn't die. It was great, but right? I'm still here. And so... If you could tell me for certain, you'll live, Moses. Yeah, I think it would have been easier for Moses to say, all right, I'll go. What's the harm? I find it interesting that God never says it. Because I think God is trying to say, stop worrying about the context of my calling. Just go and do what I've told you to do. No, but he comes in and he does heed wisdom from his father-in-law, and that is all good all day. Listen to wise counsel from those around you. It's great to hear that stuff, but do not let that be the dependent clause for why you choose, yes, I'll follow Jesus, because it will be easier. This whole thing, we gotta let that go, friends. Like, church, we have to let that go. This life is meant to move us into things that are probably kind of challenging, especially in our worldview. And God's saying, listen, it doesn't matter. I will handle all of this. I am powerful. You are not. I'll take care of this. You go. And then, hear me, heed wise counsel that will then encourage you further. That's all good news. All right. Last couple verses. I know it's a lot today, but here we go. Verse 24, one of the weirder stories in the Bible. I'll try and break it down really fast. Okay, so they go. At a lodging place on the way back to Egypt, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Which is always like, what? Like, He's going, right? Verse 25. Then Zipporah, this is Moses' wife, took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then that she said, A bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Okay, so who wants to come up and teach this? Okay? Because this is just like what just happened. Like I was tracking, I get it, the dilemma of the calling of God, and then now there's knives, right? So here's what's going on. A couple verses, just to give us context. Exodus 2.24, so just what we preached on last week. God heard their groaning. God remembered what? His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob covenant to bless Abraham came with commands. If you go back to Genesis 12, Genesis 15, when God calls Abraham, it comes with commands. Here's one of them, Genesis 17, 13, and 14. Both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money, that sounds, well, it is really bad in some ways, right? It's a reality of the broken world. We don't have time to talk about it. If you have questions about what the heck's going on there, we'll talk about that too, okay? Shall surely be circumcised, so shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Now this sounds pretty intense, and it is, but here's what it is. God said, "Uh, Abraham, I'm going to call you. I'm going to raise up a people, look to the stars and number them. That's how your offspring will be, and I'll use that offspring to bless the nation. Now, in order as a sign that the world may know that you would know who we are, that you are mine. Circumcision was implemented as a sign of that, right? Like we do baptism, which is is better, right? Okay? For the new convert especially, okay? And so, um, (laughs) sorry. Um, So here's what happens. They're on their way. They're entering into the land God begins to get a little flustered. Why? Because Moses' son was, was not circumcised. And, and by the law, he was supposed to be. And so here's what's so amazing. Zipporah, who was not an Israelite, she was on the outside, yet God uses her as the advocate through which Moses is delivered. And again, we keep saying this narrative and this story over and over that Exodus constantly lifts up and heralds these amazing women that save the day, okay? Like, just crush it. And here's another one, where she comes and says, Hey, dude, like, this isn't even my tradition, but we need to do this, because God does not want it to be this way. The faith of this woman to a God who was not originally her own. To say, no, 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 Moses, we have to do this. And so that's what this scene is. It's this beautiful moment of seeing one on the outside be the advocate for the one on the inside. Which is so much of the theme of the book of Exodus. That God is ultimately the advocate for his people. Jesus is the advocate for us, the church. But that we are to be the advocate for those on the outside. That we would constantly care for, love, show grace, mercy, peace, hope and goodness to those who would be outsiders on every different dividing line that we would bring up, okay? Last passage, the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people and the people believed and when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction they bowed their heads and worshiped so just to sum up this grand we had the origin story of Moses how he was raised up now this calling of Moses he has gone against every possible reason not to he ends up back where he wants to be and the whole reason is because God was with him Because God cares about his mission. God cares about his plan of restoration of the world. God cares about this story will lead us to Jesus. And Jesus is the savior of the world. So what we'll jump into next week is the next part of the narrative. We're going to see finally Moses go and confront Pharaoh and how this goes for Pharaoh. And we'll jump into some difficult things next week. But lastly, I just want us to revisit verse 8 from chapter 3, where it says what? I came down to deliver. I heard their pain, I saw their affliction, and I came down to deliver. There are not any more truer more, or nor beautiful words that remind us of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus than he came down to deliver. That he who is on his throne ruling this world. Colossians 1 tells us that he holds it all together. That in him all things were made for him, by him, and through him. He left that to come into this world, to be born in a manger. Live a life that you and I could not live. Die the death that we deserve to die for the punishment and payment of our sins. And was raised on the third day that all who would believe in him would have life here and life eternal. I came down to deliver. Why? Because we could not work our way up every religion in the world every single one says god is here here are the pillars here are the steps here are the meditations here are the prayers here are the actions here are the it's certain thing that will get you to god climb faster climb harder climb better jesus christianity says this is not possible we can't do it. We fail over and over, and we fall off. So what happens? Jesus came down. It is the only way we get to know God. Jesus saw our affliction. He heard our cry, and he came down to deliver. Amen? Let's pray.